All right, I'm here with Caitlin to talk about Mr. Fusion. But before that, the crypto world is melting down just like it has been. FTX has been arrested in uh, Sam Bankman-Fried has been arrested in the Bahamas. Very little information is out yet. He was giving interviews to everybody, sort of blithely assuming that he was going to skate. Um, I was a little surprised that the Bahamas arrested him so quickly. But he's accused of serious crimes in America. And it, I think they've got something like chat logs showing that they openly plotted FTX America as a very thin cover to try to pretend that they could continue to skirt securities laws the way they were doing. So it's extremely damning. And it's a good thing they finally got arrested. I mean, if he didn't get arrested, it would really seem like there's no law at all. Anyway, um, and the U.S. Justice Department is considering charging Binance, um, which is, I think, the number one cryptocurrency exchange. And they also are incorporated in um, Singapore and attempt to block U.S. users. But I think one third of the users on Binance are, in fact, U.S. citizens. And I think it's the same thing. They've just had a thin veneer pretending they are not servicing U.S. users and therefore not subject to U.S. law. But it looks like that is not going to protect them. And uh, they might, the U.S. might prosecute uh, CZ, the owner, owner of Binance. And Coinbase put out a carefully worded statement saying, you know, you should probably quit using Tether and move over to the product we endorse, USDC, instead. And Tether has been the backbone of crypto for right pretty much from the beginning. And I always thought if Tether falls, the whole house of cards will fall. But uh, the the analysts I saw said, you know, Coinbase didn't exactly say that Tether is insecure. They just sort of said, you know, you'd be better off with this other one. And uh, But Tether has been very widely suspected to be not actually backed by anything, which is essentially what FTX did, where you give them your money and they just spend your money without telling you when you try to get it back, it's not there. So... Uh, we, we do seem to be uh, approaching the brink of this whole crypto industry, which is the joy of having money without any government to get in your way. Anyway, uh, let's hear about Mr. Fusion. Yeah, so we're not quite there yet to have like a Mr. Fusion on your car, but there's some good news in the world of Fusion. And this is very rare. I mean, Fusion research has been going on for decades. And they always say, oh, Fusion, we're getting close, we're getting close. This is the first time I can actually say, yeah, okay, you've gotten close. <laughs> um, so CNN has this article written by uh, Ellen Nilsson and Renee Marsh uh, talking about how Lawrence Livermore Labs created a nuclear fusion device that put out more energy than it put in. So this is the first proof of uh, working proof of concept of nuclear fusion power generation which is a huge step now i'm not saying we're anywhere close to replacing all of our plants and everything with nuclear fusion plants that's at least another 30 to 50 years off but like i said this is the first time it's been demonstrated to actually work um, and of course the the big things now now that it works you need to one make it even more efficient and two, make it much cheaper because I'm sure they're spending a ton of money, you know, barely making any power, but they are making power. 
like I said. And so this is a huge achievement, something I was sort of doubting would even happen in my lifetime. Uh, so this is a huge achievement. But like I said, in order to make this mainstream, it's going to take another, you know, half a half a century. But but what they mean is it put out more power than the actual power, like at the pellet of fusion, right? Not all the power Correct. to run all the equipment to get there, which would be another factor of 10. Um, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. All well, I, I think that's what the previous one. And also, I don't think this yeah. is even new. I think it was like six months ago, they said they actually had one pellet that did create more than the energy. Uh, did they, the energy of the lasers going in hitting the pellet. And they compare that to the energy that came out. And they exceeded it just once. The problem is they couldn't reproduce it. Yeah. And then they, they had some plans how to improve their pellets to make it reproducible. And I, I guess that's what the point of this is. Right. Well, this just goes to show that I really probably should have read the uh, uh, read the uh, paper, the actual paper, not the CNN article. I'm sort of trusting yeah, CNN on I, this one. But yeah, well, yes. I, I'm pretty sure that's what's going on because I've been watching this happen. And and so this is not um, there's not that much different than what was there before. I'm not quite sure where they're making a big deal out of it. It's nowhere near actually being practical because lasers are not very efficient. So when all you count as the input power is with the energy of the laser then you're a factor 10 off or more from actually having it totally make more power coming out than what went in. Mm. Anyway, and so anyway, um, it would be nice. The other, the other problem, I, which really dampened my enthusiasm for this, is they said we're, we're going to run out of fusion fuel in 10 years and it's not reproducible because they're not burning hydrogen, they're burning tritium. And tritium is not easy to come by. It's, it's not... Um... That, that is true. I, I mean, I imagine, though, they could probably eventually sort of transition to deuterium. Well, once, once, that's yeah. much, much harder. So your efficiency takes another nosedive. Right. But once once they get it, once the technology is advanced enough, I imagine they can switch over to deuterium. And there's no shortage of deuterium yeah, on If you Earth. switch to deuterium, yeah. then you've got Mr. Fusion. But yeah. um, I'm afraid it's a long way off. Anyway. It would be nice. So there are a couple of cute hardware projects I came across. Um, the YubiKey is one of these two-factor authentication things. You can plug in your USB stick and that authenticates you, but it comes with a YubiKey customization software. And if you're willing to abandon using it for authentication, you can just turn it into a rubber ducky. It works by typing stuff in, so you can just customize it to perform exploits. And this guy customized it to break out of uh, jailbroken... Um, screens, you know, screens that are not to escape from console mode and screens that are being used as consoles in, on pen tests. And he, so he said it's cute. It amounts to a less obvious um, rubber ducky, essentially. So I thought that was cute. And uh, there's one CAS sent to us recently that is CanFduino is the platform for car hacking, sort of the uh, universal, easily programmed device like the rubber ducky or the, uh, the Flipper Zero to like make it real easy to make car hacking projects. So that sounds great. Now, if we're getting close to where I should throw car hacking in my classes, is there, well, I, the only thing missing is I need some kind of free virtual machine simulation of a car to work on. And I guess those might exist. I, I don't know. Every time I do anything with automotive or aerospace, it always involves buying equipment. In fact, that's been a big hurdle because I've been wanting to make more projects for you and your class, but everything I've been sort of focusing on involves like buying a CubeSat <laughs> and you can't expect, you know, 
community college students to go out and buy their own CubeSats. So well, no, but if it's cheap enough, the college could do it. But really, so many of my students are remote now. I'd really much rather have some kind of virtual machine where they can just install this and run it. Right. Or at least I could put it in the cloud or something. So we'll see. But I think I think there have been some like car hacking CTFs that work on some kind of simulation. So anyway, all right. And so uh, let's hear about Neuralink. Okay, so Masterful has an article by Rizwan Chowdhury. Sorry about that. That's an odd name. Um, talking about, oh gosh. So Elon Musk has gotten to a lot of hot water because of, of Twitter, and he's kind of a racist. Uh, but now it turns out he kills puppies. <laughs> um, basically, they... So Elon Musk is developing this thing called Neuralink. Um, now, Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz is the last guy that killed puppies. Yeah, yeah. So apparently Elon Musk also kills puppies. Yeah. And and so the so Elon Musk's companies, one of his companies is developing something called Neuralink, which is a brain interface chip, which I imagine would mostly, if it worked, if it got to market, would mostly be used for medical purposes. Um, I don't think that anyone really wants brain chips implanted um at least not many people there might be a few people that would be like oh i want a uh, an implant but um usually these things have more to do with you know uh fixing things like uh caesars for example and, anyway. and, and paralysis and paralysis and sometimes perhaps even blindness yeah so uh but they have to test obviously on animals and Oh, the, the company itself is called Neuralink. So yeah. it's the company and the product. So anyway, so uh, the company was pushed to, you know, put out, you know, get get the research out there and get stuff developed, you know, as fast as possible. Uh, but it turns out a bunch of the people at Neuralink are a little upset because they ended up using a lot of um, test animals to do Neuralink. And apparently about 1,500 uh, including 280 uh, pigs, uh, sheep, and and monkeys, were killed uh, trying to test Neuralink devices. Uh, so a lot of the people, uh, the animal rights people, are pretty upset at, at Neuralink and at Elon Musk. So, well, I think he's actually accused of violating the protocols uh, for right. animal cruelty. I mean, killing animals in medical research seems to me like uh, a very false ethical line to draw when you just slaughter them for meat anyway, but the cruelty is what's illegal. Right. Yeah. So apparently that they were, they were treated cruelly. Um, I, I will say, you know, when you, when you study a lot of psychology and you study a lot of biology, you realize that we're doing a lot of our, a lot of our modern understanding has to do with research that was done like 50, a hundred years ago before these laws about animal cruelty or human cruelty were passed because we cannot do the the most some of the most important experiments um, again today. Uh, so I'm not saying that that there's no value in in these experiments in in some of this cruelty from a scientific perspective, uh, but still you you generally don't want to be um, you know you have to you have to sort of walk the line between scientific advancement and you know treating animals humanely. And apparently they chose to focus more on scientific advancements. So 
Yeah, well, that totally fits his uh, ruthless style. Make the people sleep here, make them work 16 hours a day, fire everybody that doesn't instantly obey my every command. That seems to fit right into the sort of medieval attitude must take towards things. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, it's kind of a luxury. This reminds me of um, the argument about uh, Brittany Griner, where they say, you know, she just had a little bit of, of hash oil. And here we are letting a guy that was like a terrorist that made weapons. And that's not equal. But of course, the point is that we are America. We don't jail people for horrible things so much. So the only people in jail here have done something horrible. So, you know, it is, um, it is, you could say it's a luxury that we are able to not abuse the animals and people so much, but, you know, I think, I think it's good to be the better society, even though it does mean we miss some things. Yep. Anyway. And so, uh, there's an article I saw that I thought was kind of interesting on vice.com by Daisy Jones saying what's going on is social media is just hitting the end of the road. Um, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, Facebook and Twitter and everything seemed wonderful and seemed like it was opening up the world to you and making fast new friendships. And then it sort of became a drag and commercialized and full of horrible racists and stuff. And they say now, you know, watching Elon Musk burn Twitter down and turn it into Gab. And I discovered, I think what a lot of people did, I don't really care. I just moved over to Mastodon and social media reverted back to what it used to be, a small gathering of just the technical people like going to DEF CON instead of this vast network with lots of people and it you know it's um i think they're right this social media has kind of gone away the younger generation doesn't use this kind of social media anymore i think social media had its heyday and they say it's not going to vanish utterly but it's going to just sort of fade out like facebook's fading out facebook's been suffering for a lot because they can't attract young people and they're doing stupid things to try to attract young people and it's not working like so many old brands they're just uh that seems to me like a fairly astute commentary there and I just want to mention another one for my local students. West Wells Fargo is having a job fair today in San Francisco to get tech talent. So you might want to go and apply for a job there. But anyway, let me pass it back to you with Artemis. Yes, Artemis was a success, at least according to this article on space.com, written by Mike Wall. Uh, Artemis, uh, the Orion capsule that was launched on the SLS unmanned, went around the moon. Uh, a few times, and then came back and landed uh, off the coast of Mexico, I believe. Uh, so there's some video here showing it landing, and the whole thing was a success. Uh, the tests were a success, so here it is entering the atmosphere, here it is coming down, parachutes deployed, uh, the drow suits first, and then the full parachutes, and then it splashes down into the water. So it looks like we are ready to start sending people up now. Um, when that will be, I don't know when the next launch will be, but uh, this was a success, and I think this is fantastic. So so what are we going to do with the moon base? It's going to be the, our launching point to explore the asteroids or what? Supposedly, it will be a launching point for going to Mars. Oh, sending humans to Mars? They're serious um, about that? Eventually. How can that seems just impossible to get them there alive and get them back alive? Well, you know, the, you, 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 that's the whole point of focusing on the moon right now, which is, you know, get people used to living in space, figure out new technologies for living in space, get long-term space, you know, arrangements, and then have a, a launch, get everything able to be launched, you know, from the moon, which is much cheaper and easier than launching from the earth. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we'll, 
we'll see how this goes. And there's of course science to be done. Um, we we yeah. still need there's like no infrastructure on the moon, so you know we'll need roads, we'll need cell phone towers, you know everything needs to get get all set up on the moon, and we'll Billboard, do that. Billboards, Pepsi Cola commercials, you know. Yep, yep, TVs, um, yeah. you know, drug labs. We'll we'll get it all set up on the moon. It'll be fine. Well, yeah, yeah, but I know I I'm very very skeptical about sending people to Mars or even anywhere further. I think this is what robots are made for. I think so too. I think robots really should be the ones on like Mars um, and even the moon for that matter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, living on Mars, living on the moon is basically like living in the middle of Antarctica. I mean, sure. If you're the first person to do it, there's some glory involved. And with but even you, more radiation and less oxygen. Yes. Yes. With more radiation, less oxygen, you can't go outside. Um, But you know, you get to be the first, Oh, I get to be the first, you know, there's some glory involved. Um, But then when you're like, the 512th person to go to the moon. It's like, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, this kind of sucks. And, and it's even worse for, for Mars because there can be up to like a 20 minute delay for signals going between earth and, and Mars. So like you're basically cut off from yeah. everyone you ever knew. You can't just call them up on the phone. You yeah. basically, you can send them letters, but that's about it. Um, and you still have the same problems on the moon, which is to say that you're in this frozen radiation filled environment with no oxygen outside and you basically have to, you know, recycle your own pee, you know, to drink water. I mean, it's, it's not a glamorous, fun experience. Yeah. I, th I think I like it down here. <laughs> yeah. No, earth, earth is definitely the place to be. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this one and we'll be back on Friday.